0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: There is timing when it comes to serving God. We need to be individuals that live according to His schedule, that we do the things not only that He wants done, but we do them when He wants them done. In other words that we are totally submissive to the things of god that we understand that to serve him we need to be listening because god at any moment might reveal to us something new something that we did not know something that may surprise us but nevertheless we need to know this in order to walk obediently to be vessels of his glory to be instruments of heavenly ministry in this world. So take out your bible. We began Joshua chapter 6 and the battle of Jericho last week. We saw that the children of Israel, they were instructed by God in order to go around the city one day, one time. For 6 days and now we're ready for that 7th day. And understand, it is not by coincidence or happening or by chance that this is going to take place on the seventh day. And most scholars believe that when it says the seventh day, it's not just talking about the seventh time that they surrounded this city on that first time on the seventh day, but literally on Shabbat, the seventh day, because Shabbat, brings us into when we acknowledge it we apply its truth to our life it is going to bring down the strongholds of the enemy that we might experience the goodness of god and the fulfillment of god in our life so this passage although it simply says on the seventh day meaning the seventh day that they went around the city it can also and i believe rightly be understood as relating to the Shabbat, the seventh day of the week. Look, if you would, to verse 15, Joshua chapter 6 and verse 15. And it came about be Yom Now, when it says, not just a seventh day, but the seventh day, that expression, be Yom HaShivi'i, on the seventh day, and that is the terminology for Shabbat. Once more, and it came about on the seventh day that they rose up early with the rising of dawn and they went around the city, Ka Mishpat hazeh. according to literally the judgment, this judgment. Whose judgment? God's judgment. Now, this term judgment, it may be translated differently in, in other Bibles, but it's the Hebrew word mishpat. And when we speak about mishpat Hashem, it's the judgment of God. And there's also going to be a very important word or literally phrase, bayom ha-hu, which speaks about judgment day. And what we find is that the Shabbat, is a day of restoration a day of putting things into order and it's god's judgment that does just that puts things into the order of god once more verse 15 and it came about on the seventh day that they rose up early with the going up of the dawn and they meaning the children of israel they surrounded the city. They went about it according to this judgment seven times only on that day. Now, there's that phrase, that day, is a reference to judgment. This is judgment of God in order to bring about the purposes of God. And that's why his judgment for a believer, for someone who is submissive to God, obedient to God, God's judgment is a good thing because it brings the change that that God wants and we want as well. So they did this according to this judgment seven times. Only on that day, they, they went around the city seven times. Now, there's an emphasis on the number seven. And seven relates to the Hebrew concept, kedusha, which we would call holiness. And holiness is related to the purpose of God. What the text is telling us is this, that this is the day that the children of Israel is going to fulfill the purposes of God. And when we fulfill the purposes of God, we're going to experience the promises of God. When we are doing His will, we are going to be taking hold by doing His will of His blessings. Look now to to verse 16. And it came about on the seventh time that the priests, they sounded... Now, a shofar is that ram's horn that you blow in order to make that sound, and therefore it says, it came about on the seventh time, that seventh circle of the city on the seventh day, that the priest sounded the the trumpets, but it's the ram's horn. And Joshua, he said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given to you the city. Now, Joshua, he was also a military leader, but we notice here that it was not a requirement of military to to conquer the city, not through weapons of warfare that one would expect, but the people had the shofarot, that is those ram's horn that speaks about God's provision. He provides what's necessary, that is purposes in our life, might be fulfilled so with the blowing of the shofar that sounding reminding the people of god's provision that the people shouted they were in agreement with that it was a way of them acknowledging and stating in a public way their agreement with god who is the provider and we see at that time that they were told the lord has given now nothing's happened up until this time but it's Lord has given to you the city verse 17 now in verse 17 we're going to come across a very important word it's a word in Hebrew cherem. now in modern Hebrew it is a, a boycott what is that when you cut off all ties with a company you won't shop there you won't buy their products you don't want anything to do with them. Now, cherem in Hebrew means that you don't want anything to do with the people that you are destroying, that you don't want a relationship. You don't want to grow wealthy through their spoils, their provisions, taking anything. In other words, this term harem has to do with dedicating, offering up, giving to God all the spoils of battle everything of wealth it belongs to god and usually with a harem all the people would be put to the sword all the the possessions of the people would be consumed burned with fire and and anything as we'll see that is not destroyed it goes to god not the people but to god look at verse 17 and the city will be harem it will be devoted to the lord it meaning the city and all which is in it it is unto the lord only rahav this woman Rachav, the the harlot she shall be sustained meaning she shall be kept alive she and all which is with her and what's emphasized but by it meaning in the house now we remember last week that that the spies instructed her to stay at home when the battle went forth don't go out anyone who goes out their blood is upon their own head if something should happen to them only those that hear the instructions and apply the instructions to their life only then that stay in obedience in the house that they are going to be spared that they are going to experience life and a new life middle verse 17 why are they doing that it tells us because she hid the messengers which we sent now what's emphasized here is her hiding the messengers and the scholars agree both christian scholars and jewish scholars agree this hiding also involved giving the false information that she gave to the messengers that the king of jericho had sent so everything that was involved in in keeping the spies alive this is what's being emphasize. And we know a biblical principle. The measure that you measure with will be measured back to you. So she was willing to deceive the king, those messengers, all the people of Jericho in order to keep alive these two spies. And because this was the measurement that she used based upon the revelation of God. And that cannot be overemphasized. She knew, just like all the people, that God was at work with the children of Israel. We recount it as the word of God did, the great victory over the Amorites, the, the king of the Amorites, both of them, Sihon and Og, and also the victory at Yamsuf, the sea It reeds, the Red Sea, and also the miraculous crossing of the jordan river the people all were aware of this and they were fearful but their fear did not cause them to give god priority and obey what should they have done they knew god was at work they said such such as much they said we know that god has done these things for you that god is with you but They didn't want to join them. They weren't interested in a relationship with God. They did not want to participate. And because they did not want to participate with the things of God, to join into a covenantal relationship, serving the children of Israel, what happened? Just what we're seeing here. Cherem on the city. Everything was destroyed, but because she hid the messengers which we sent she was kept alive and not just her all of her household look at verse 18 now here the instruction is from joshua to all the people what they should do and he says Ve rak, which means and only this is the only thing that's acceptable to god there's not multiple things that you can do to be pleasing to god Only one. And what is that? To obey his will. To fulfill his purposes. So we read here, verse 18. And only you keep from the devoted things, the harem. This is not for you. Lest you be destroyed. And you take what's going to bring about your destruction that you become part of those things that are totally destroyed and offered up to God. If you should take from the harem, any of those things that are dedicated to the Lord, that you will place the camp of Israel as harem and you will trouble it, meaning all the camp. Now, this is going to be fulfilled next week. But for the sake of our purposes at this lesson, what God is saying is this, if you don't obey the same thing that happened to the people of Jericho or will happen very shortly, it is going to be visited upon you. What's the purpose of that? Why are we being told that? Very simply, the measure that, that God uses, he measures for all people. There's no preference. There's no difference. The people of Jericho did not want to obey God. They received the results. Destruction. And likewise, Joshua is warning, if you take anything, if you're disobedient, if you don't agree with God, then you're going to join with them and become part of this harem, this, this destruction of, of everything, this annihilation. Now look at verse verse 19 but all the silver and gold and the vessels of of copper or bronze and of iron what's these things they are holy unto the lord and therefore it says otsar adonai the treasury of the lord it shall come so all of these things we don't destroy them they come into the treasury house of god part of the the tabernacle area and all of this is going to be used for the purpose of worship not for the purposes of the people but for honoring god verse verse 19 and all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze or copper and iron is holy unto the lord And to the treasury of the Lord, it shall come. And what happened? And the people shouted. And the the sounding of the shofar took place. And it came about as the people heard the voice of the shofar. And the people yelled out, shouted a, a great shout. What happened? The wall fell beneath itself. And the people went up towards the city, a man against another. And they took the city. Now, it all came about because of what God provided. And the shouting of the people was a shout of praise. And we can understand a shout of agreement. They were doing what God had commanded them to do. And they knew something that the walls were going to come down when the trumpets were shouted or sounded and the people shouted, this was going to bring a supernatural victory. It was going to bring a defeat. Now, by the way, that word for, for shouting is a word of worship. It's a word of acknowledging God and his presence in a situation. And that's really what worship is about. So the people, they remembered with the sounding of the shofar, God's provision. Remember, when we look at Genesis chapter 22 and the offering of Isaac, that that ram that was provided by God in order that the promise would, would happen, that Yitzhak would live that promise of life. It all is reminded to us by the sounding of the shofar. What God provides for the fulfillment of the promise and for life. This is what they were worshiping God about. Verse verse 20 again. And the people, they shouted. The shofars were sounded. And it came about when the people were hearing the voice of the shofar, that sound. The people shouted a great shout. And the walls, literally, the walls fell under its own, meaning in its place. And the people went up to the city, a man against another. And the city was taken. And what happened? Exactly what God commanded. Verse 21. And they devoted utterly all things unto the Lord. That's what the term cherem is about all which was in the city from man unto woman from the young unto the old from the ox and the lamb and the donkey they were all placed unto the edge of the sword and the two men that were spies that spied out this the lamb it says they said, literally, he said, meaning the unity of these two, said to Joshua, Come to the house of the harlot woman, and, and bring bring out from there the woman, and all which is to her, just as you swore to do. So, literally, Joshua speaking. He's the one who said to these two men, these two spies, that, that they are to come. So Joshua's speaking, I want to get this right, to these two messengers that he sent to spy out the city. He says, come to the house of that harlot that you told me about. Bring her out and all that is with her. Why? What well, it says here. Why to do that? Because of you swore to her verse 23 and these young men they came the ones who spied out and they brought her literally Rahav, out and her father and her mother and her brothers and all which was to her and all and notice this all her families they brought out now it's interesting because you would expect it to say, but it does not say all of her family, but all of her families. Now, this would imply something that she just didn't sit silently, but that she brought people into her home. See, the spies had told her, these two men bring in all that is to you because anything that is in the house with you is going to be spared. It is going to be kept alive. It is not going to suffer the consequences of God's destruction of Jericho, what he's going to bring about. Now think for a moment. You'll recall that she was told twice, at least twice, that the city was going to be destroyed and the walls In its place, we're going to collapse. Where does she live? She lives in the walls. We were told that two times at least. Her house was in the wall. This would be, in our way of thinking, the most dangerous place for her to be. That's what collapsed. But God, and here's the word, supernaturally. God, according to the truth, the truth that the spies had shared, they were faithful. They kept their word. God did as well in keeping her alive. So look again in the verse 23 where it says, And all her families they brought forth and they set them. That is these two men, these two spies. They set them outside the camp of Israel. Now, that's where they begin, outside the camp. Why? Well, the question is, what was the promise that they would be spared? But we know something. They are going to eventually be brought into the camp. They are going to become part of the children of Israel. And we know ultimately, Rahav is going to be included in the genealogy of Messiah. Verse 8. Verse 24, the city they burned with fire and all which was in it, only exactly what the word of God says, but only the silver and the gold and the vessels of, of copper or bronze and iron. What did they do? They place in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Rachav, verse 25, and Rachav, the harlot, and her house, the house of her father, and all which is to her, Joshua, he kept alive. He sustained. Now, this shows faithfulness. Faithfulness to one's word. And what we see here is this. The... Will of God, the purposes of God, are never advanced. They're never accomplished by by deceitfulness. You say, well, what about Rahav? Totally different situation. She does not participate in the evil plans of the enemies of God. She does not reveal the whereabouts so that these spies would be put to death. She said what she said in order to preserve life. And because she hid them, the text is saying she found life. She was sustained. But in a general principle, God's purposes, his plans, his will are not advanced by lies for the sake of lies. And that's why Joshua did exactly what he was told. He related to the people and the people. They were called to be just as obedient and honest to the word of God. Look at verse 25 once more. And Rahav, the harlot, and the house of her father, and all which was to her was kept alive by Joshua. And she dwelt in the midst of Israel. And literally, she dwelt in the midst of Israel unto this day why why was she brought into the people of god it tells us again because she hid the the messengers which joshua sent to spy out jericho now everything that was necessary for her to hide and keep alive the spies god is is elevating God's emphasizing, God is recommending to us. And again, the principle is very simple. We are not called to participate in any way with the evil plans of the enemies of God. Those who want to do unrighteousness, we don't participate, we don't help any unrighteous objectives. We do not give information. We do not confess anything that is going to harm another needlessly. So what she did was righteous and the scripture is elevating this, emphasizing it to the reader. Look now to verse 26. And Joshua, he swore at that time, saying, now, Joshua, is taking an oath but this is a prophetic oath he is revealing something that that god had placed upon his heart and he's warning the people now he's giving an oath that originates from god because notice this this prophetic statement look again at verse 26 and joshua in that time said Cursed is the man before the Lord. Now, that tells us that God's going to render this judgment, that Joshua's just not speaking on his own, but he's doing so under revelation, the revelation of God. Joshua swore at that time saying, Cursed is a man before the Lord who will establish and build this city. This city, Jericho. Now, Jericho is a place of a curse. Realize something. It is not God's will that people dwell there. That city was to be eternally destroyed as a testimony, as a reminder of what happens when one disobeys God. Now, we need to get something right. The fact that God says, I'm going to punish those who rebuild this city, that establish it. That means, if we take it literally, those who rebuild, who reestablish, those who do it at that time. I believe those who did suffered exactly what the text is going to tell us in a moment. But just because people have resettled that, live there today that does not mean that those people can't find god's grace they're there in spiritual darkness and a great example of this was whom we read about in the book of of luke and i'm speaking about zacchaeus in hebrew zakai and we find that this one although he was living unrighteously And also living in an unrighteous place. That's why he was doing unrighteous things. But when the message of salvation came. And he responded to that message. Even he was redeemed and transformed. And that shouldn't surprise us. Because there was another one. Who lived in the land of Canaan. She was there not according to God's will, God had already given that land, but she was different. When she was confronted with the fact that God had given the land to the children of Israel, and it was not her people that had a right, a covenantal right to this land, what did she do? Well, she surrendered to that. She agreed with God, and she her life's actions reflected this agreement this submissiveness and in doing so she was blessed by god so we see that god's not inherently against anyone but those who are inherently against the will of god and the purposes of god they are going to meet the destruction of god when one is confronted with the truth and responds to that truth they can experience redemption. They can become a new creation through Messiah and in that day become with a new identity as part of the family of God. So notice what he says once more, the entire verse, verse 26. And Joshua swore at that time saying, cursed is the man. Notice some scholars say the man, the one, the one that that before the Lord, he's cursed. That one is cursed before the Lord who he, it's singular, will establish and build this city, the city of Jericho. And what's going to be the punishment? It doesn't say eternal damnation. It says he's going to do this with, with his firstborn son he will lay its foundations and with a young one he will will make stable her gates so the punishment is that one who has the initiative that begins to rebuild that city and establish it that one is going to suffer not everyone in the generations to follow that lives there but this one is but it's a testimony It's a testimony to the fact that God does not want that city. And that that city and its its existence, the fact that it is a city, shows that it's against God's purposes. And ultimately, we know something. Those that are against God's purposes, they are going to suffer some very serious consequences. Let's conclude one more verse. Verse 27. And it came about that the Lord was with Yeshua. And it came about that his reputation. Now, what it literally says is that he was heard. He had a name that went forth. People heard about Yeshua. Or Joshua. Now you can't necessarily see what the scripture is saying here in other languages, but I want to read it in Hebrew and listen carefully to the the redundancy, the repetition. It says here, "Vayehi Hashem et Vayehi O becho ha'arts." The redundant phrase was "Vayehi." Now, when we read it in English, and I'll read the whole sentence now, it sounds awkward. Be interesting to see if your scriptures literally translate this or does it want it to make it sound smoother? This is what it says And it came about that the Lord with Joshua, the implication is the Lord was with Joshua, and it came about that same Vayahi twice. Normally, it just continues. Normally, you don't have the redundancy of that term, vayehi, But here you do. And the question is, why? Why the redundancy? It stands out. It's not typical Hebrew. Well, the reason is that it wants to, to unite. It wants to unite these two statements. It was because the Lord was with Joshua. It was because of that. That, that he was heard that his reputation, that his name, that his name was in all the land. And here, the rabbinical scholars, when it says all the land, it means not just the land of Canaan, but he had a reputation that went through all the world. Now, who are we talking about? Yeshua, And Yeshua later on, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter eight towards the end of that chapter we find that yahushua has a name change and that name change is yeshua he goes from yahushua he's also called hoshea but in nehemiah he's called yeshua now what is the purpose of that for one who reads both the old and new covenants very simply we see principles that are established and will be repeated i've shared with you that the conquering of the land meaning this the children of israel entering into the promised land is a paradigm it is likened to believers entering into the kingdom of god and what is it saying here in order for that victory, that kingdom experience, that kingdom to come, there's going to be a battle. It is going to be war that brings about the kingdom of God. But it's not going to be a war that ultimately is won by who has the most nuclear war weapons, who has the greatest number of tanks, who has the greatest military. That didn't matter. What is going to be dependent upon is who is on the Lord's side. God is going to give a miraculous victory. The enemy is going to be miraculously defeated and destroyed utterly. That's why the word harem appears over and over and over. And what we find is this. Yes, there's those that are his covenant people. But the message is this. There was an outsider. One from the Canaanites who lived in Jericho. And she did something. She agreed with God. She understood the concept of chesed, grace, and emmet, truth. And because of grace, she lived out the truth. And because she was faithful to the truth, she did not tell anyone that plan of the children of israel that the spies revealed to her she kept that a secret and what else did she do she went and it's so important that in that that house that was in the the walls of jericho that became traditionally it's seen as it crumbled it collapsed into pieces into dust what's it saying supernaturally god preserved those who were in that house now we would have been led to believe that it would be her mother her father her brothers her sisters but we see very interesting in the biblical text that it does not say her family but her families why plural this woman went out and brought many into her place She wanted to, because she had received a promise of life, she wanted to share life with others. And she brought them into the place where they could be safe. And the message is this. It is through revelation that she knew the place that was safe. She took that Tikvat Chut Hasheni, that piece of hope, which was that scarlet thread. She put that upon that window as a sign. Very similar, scarlet, what color is that? Deep red. Scholars say blood red. And it's similar. In the same way in the Passover, there was a red, blood red sign upon the doorposts. Here, there was that, that sign in her window. As a testimony of what? Why that location? Because it was from that window that she lowered the spies. And what we have seen several times being emphasized to the reader is the fact that she sustained the spies, she hid them, she did not give any information concerning them to anyone in order that she could participate. In the purposes of God, and because she played that that participation in the things of God, what do we know about her? Well, I'll say it again because it's so significant that Rachav Hazona, she's talked about always, Rachav Hazona, Rachav the harlot. But nevertheless, we find her as one of the women mentioned in the genealogy of Messiah. What a wonderful God that we have. A God who is compassionate, a God who is merciful, a God who is forgiving, that can take anyone, regardless of what their past may be, and bring them into an eternal covenant with him. What he did, as we'll see, he brought her into the camp of Israel, Israel being a kingdom word, he brought her in to participate with the kingdom people. And my hope and my purpose is that you, if you're not part of the kingdom people, that you would become one right now by just simply saying, oh God, I am not pure. I am not holy. I am not righteous. I am a sinner i have rebelled against you i have done my purposes and ignored and rebelled against your purposes but god i plead with all my heart that you forgive me i i seek your grace and i acknowledge that your grace can only be found in one place and that is in the cross of messiah i believe that he went to that cross and died there shedding his blood so that I could experience eternal redemption. That he paid the price for my sins. I invite him into my life to be my Savior, to be my Lord, to be my God. I believe he died upon that cross, but I also I also know that he was resurrected, that he was made alive by the Father, signifying victory over sin that sin does not have any longer a sting but it is defeated i want that same defeat of sin in my life that i might live righteously committed to your will committed to your purposes so god i accept that salvation i believe in your gospel i invite you to be the lord of my life and i confess now that you have saved me by your grace and i am eternally secure I have that assurance. If you believe that and you've prayed that you agree with that, then you will be in the kingdom of God and nothing, nothing can change that. And that fact should cause you to do one thing, to praise God, to give thanks to God, to glorify him and be committed to his purposes. Because when you experience salvation, you don't want to be connected to sin. You want to walk righteously now in this present world in order that you might glorify your Savior. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel. Until next time.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org.